Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. The first hint I should have known was when Jimbo renegotiate his deal before the season. <laughs> that was the tip. Pete Thamel. I really think that's a case study in, in energizing a program. With SI's Pat Forty. Their offensive line has an NIL deal with Mission Barbecue. I wonder if Mission Barbecue would like that deal back because they cannot block. <laughs> Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Ah, welcome to the pod, and I'm going straight to small sample Heisman, gentlemen. I'm upsetting the show. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? I'm not ready. Kavahan Pope. <laughs> Currently unaffiliated. Wins my small sample Heisman. Listen, if you want a podcast host, who's going to lecture about doing things the right way, <laughs> who's going to tisk-tisk, who's going to say this is the decay of America when a kid quits the Ohio State Buckeyes in the middle of the damn game. This is not the podcast host for you. <laughs> middle of the game. Kayvon is there for all of us who had, at some point in our life, some terrible job, some bad relationship, some terrible roommate. And he just said, I'm out. Take this job and shove it. They pull him out of the game. He's a senior. They're playing Akron. They're up big, and they're limiting his playing time. The guy has given everything to the program for four years. It's like, come on, let me have Akron. What are we doing? He gets into it with the position coach. He walks off the field. Then he comes back. He takes his gloves and throws them in the stands. And he just straight up says, take it. I'm out. Done. Enough of you guys. He's there for all of us that wanted to do that at some point in our life and didn't have the courage. For that, you win my small sample Heisman. Did you want to do that when you were uh, when you were hawking hot dogs at Fenway Park, Dan? And yeah, hundred percent. Yes, I'm sure those bosses were like all time chowderheads. Oh hey Wetzel, you're not hawking enough wieners. I can't even tell some of those stories. But. <laughs> Let's just say, I, if, if it was now, I would own half the Red Sox. I'm like, uh, <laughs> or the Harry M. Stevens Corporation, at least. Yeah, there was not a lot of sensitivity for <laughs> yeah. any other job. Just up and quit, gentlemen. Just up and quit. So it was like an impressive display. Uh, and especially then the tweets afterwards with the double C's, uh, you know. I like been- that because here's the thing. 
He said, I'm going to make a big enough scene that I'm just going to quit in the middle of a football game, but I don't want to swear <laughs> in my tweet. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was real nice of him. Showed a little class. That's right. F-U-C-C. That's right. You know, yeah, he's, he, he was going to quit diplomatically. And then good luck to my teammates. Good luck 100%. to my teammates. L-U-C-C. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If he took a poetry class, the word Nantucket would be heavily involved in his poetry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, all right. So now, but if I'm remembering correctly, Wetzel, now two of your small sample Heisman winners have been the brawling Missouri defensive lineman and Kayvon Pope for quitting in the middle of the game. And right? the Mizzou guy transferred to Arkansas, and look what Arkansas is doing now. Look, see? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Somebody's got to pick up Kayvon. <laughs> Maybe he'll go to Arkansas, too. People are like, well, look, at you quit a jet, you quit your thing like that. No one will ever hire you. Oh, Michigan alum will. You just finally <laughs> came around to understanding what they've long believed. <laughs> F-U-C-C, Ohio State. <laughs> right, well, we might as well start with Arkansas. Yeah. Because this is getting serious now. Yeah. Texas is vanquished. Sam Pittman, second year. Takes over a team that did not win an SEC game for two seasons as 4-0. They're going into Georgia. You know, he was he was funny after because they're like, you know, what does this mean? So we got Georgia next week. We got Ole Main. Let's slow our roll, but this feels yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, really yeah. liked how he was. There's not a lot of coach talk with him, which is funny because he spent 36 years as an assistant coach. But thoughts on these uh, Razorbacks? My goodness. Hey, very impressive. Now, I, I did think that they could absolutely win that game straight up. You know, I just I thought that they've been really, really good this season and good in the key areas that help you win games. And what Sam Pittman's doing, the the pride of El Reno, Oklahoma, that's where he was born. I mean, this guy's he's your classic ham and egg success story. Listen to listen to his job uh, curriculum vitae here. Pittsburgh State, which is where he went and played. Then he coached at Pittsburgh State. Then he's at Beggs Which High is School, not in Oklahoma. Pittsburgh, by the way. It's in Kansas. Uh, no. <laughs> for our listeners. Our listeners Pittsburgh, would Kansas. assume. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's not in it's not in Pennsylvania. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's 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 not it's really it's in the middle of nowhere because it's in Kansas. So he played coached they played there, he coached there, then he coached at Beggs High School, Oklahoma, and Princeton Junior Senior High School in Missouri. Then he was the head coach at Trenton High School, Missouri, then it was junior college. Northern Illinois, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Western Michigan, Missouri, Kansas, Northern Illinois again, North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, and then he gets on at Georgia, and uh, I think we got to give it up a little bit for Kirby Smart's coaching tree here between 4-0 Sam Pittman and 4-0 Mel Tucker, who both were on his staff at Georgia, and of course 4-0 Kirby Smart as well. So, I mean, this guy has paid all the dues. Whatever dues you can pay, Sam Pittman has paid them to get where he is, and it's pretty cool to see his team performing the way it is. The best Sam Pittman uh, detail I picked up uh, last couple of weeks was when he was at Cincinnati as an assistant. His running buddy there was Rex Ryan. Let's just <laughs> safely assume there were some Skyline Chilies that lost money <laughs> when those two when those two rolled in, and they were two peas in a pod. Uh, they were uh, they were inseparable back in the uh, Rick Minter days. There, my my takeaway sitting there watching Arkansas just straight up beat Texas A and M. There was nothing fluky about it, nothing weird. They just absolutely ran over them, threw them, by them every every which way. Was that this season? 
there was that closing window, that 3.30 window on, uh, on, on Saturday. I'm sure, Pat, in Chicago, you would just finish writing. I had just gotten home from, uh, from, from the BC-Missouri game where it was just like, boy, the chaos is coming. Auburn was losing. Clemson was headed to overtime. Arkansas was running away. Rutgers was kind of antagonizing Michigan fade away. There was like seven live games. Iowa State was uh, in the process of losing in Waco. And I was just like, this is starting to feel like 2007. This is starting to feel again like seminal season for insanity in our generation. I don't think there's a season that any of us have experienced that compares to 20, 2007 when you had West Virginia, Kansas, Missouri, South Florida, Boston College, Cal, Oregon, all in the national title race at some point. Complete and utter chaos, wire to wire, week to week, and delightfully, this season appears to be trending that way, and that's just that's good for everybody. It's it really is. It really is. We're going to get to some of these disappointments, but uh, Arkansas. I mean, look, uh, can they get by Georgia and and all that? I don't know, but unbelievable rebuild in the second year, and we can go through some of these second year coaches are killing it out there. You mentioned Mel Tucker, Lane Kiffin's in his second year, Halfley at Boston College, Greg Schiano's doing great work. Really, Drinkowitz isn't doing too bad. Dave Aranda at Baylor. I mean, there's a whole bunch of second-year guys, and Pittman's the best of all of them. Now, there's also yeah. Mike Norvell. We'll get to that. But, you know, you say, well, how quick your guy needs time? Well, these guys are all making huge moves very, very quickly. Now, and the flip side of this Arkansas win is A&M, which had this big season <laughs> planned and got mauled by Arkansas. And you know what? You know what the first hint I should have known was when Jimbo renegotiate his deal before the season. <laughs> that was the tip. We weren't paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> if you think you're going to beat Bama this year, if you think this is the year you're going to the playoff, you do not renegotiate your deal at the beginning for a measly $1.5 million race. Jimbo Fisher knows two things, really good football teams and how to cash in on these ADs. And that was the tip we all missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in retrospect, hey, Jimmy Sexton wins again, getting it done, strike when you can. If it's, he thought uh, he's beating Bama, he beats Bama, then renegotiates, and he's getting $12 million. He's not getting yeah. any nine. Well, that's he, true. He willingly, he knew, he knew they weren't that good. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, they, they were replacing a four-year starting quarterback, and this is another one of those places where you just think, oh, well, you know, it's A&M, they'll have somebody else good, and they're highly recruited guys. Then Haynes King gets hurt, and Zach Calzada has stepped in, and uh, they're struggling, struggling throwing the ball. They threw for 151 yards against Arkansas, 4.2 yards per attempt, which means they could not go downfield at all. And, yeah, Jimbo Fisher today, congratulations. You're the most overpaid coach in America. I, I really feel like we were waiting for that Alabama A&M game to kind of be the Titanic matchup of the season. We always joke about it. This season's game of the century, right? Like mm -hmm. if you had to circle this season's game of the century before the before the year, other obviously than the Clemson Georgia opener, you would have you would have circled that game in College Station. Is there some vulnerability to Bama? Uh, we've all been to big games in College Station. That's a heck of a place to go see a big game, right? That's a heck of a place. And so, I, I think we were just waiting for that moment, waiting to see if AM's defense could rise in stop Bama just waiting and it just ain't gonna happen 
<laughs> I mean, it's just if Arkansas's defense, which is very good, and I, I give Barry Odom a ton of credit, that was probably the best coordinator hire of that cycle. And it's a good reminder to not view fired coach, head coaches in like a box. Like, oh, we got fired as coach in Missouri. He was an excellent defensive coordinator at Memphis. He was an excellent defensive coordinator at Missouri. He has proven to be one of the top three best defensive coordinators in the SEC right now, doing more with less at Arkansas. So give Sam Pittman a lot of credit. He'd been around that league for a long time. He's a crafty old warhorse, and he knew exactly what buttons to push on his staff and exactly I really think that's a case study in, in energizing a program, right? Like taking a program that was just left lifeless and listless by Chad Morris and Sam Pittman, Pittman just went in and hit it with a lightning bolt and captured the hearts and minds of those kids. And they're, uh, they're rolling and, and, and look like who would have thought before the season that Arkansas, Georgia would be one of the five biggest games in the SEC this year. Yeah. Now it's circle it for next week between the edges. So what about this? Because it has been a, a, a season we have not expected. And I think part of it is is the play of a lot of quarterbacks that were heavily hyped going into the year. And one of the things that you're, you're sitting there watching, Spencer Rattler, they win at Oklahoma, but the, the fans are literally chanting for his backup. Caleb Graham, Williams. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. If you have a student body at Oklahoma, eh, it's pretty. That's some. That's, that's, that's a little rough, man. It's that's tough. Rough. That is tough. Come on, his student body. But whatever, this is what they are. That hurt. He was supposed to be the Heisman favorite and top five pick. That didn't happen. DJ Ungalale, it's getting nothing done. He's been so bad, we no longer have to learn how to say his name. <laughs> oh, Dan. <laughs> Graham Mertz made his own logo. Oh, Brutal at Wisconsin. Oh, Brock Purdy, two and two Iowa State. Yep. Graham Mertz has been so bad that I sat next to Pat's son at the Missouri BC game. And we had a conversation about how we could how Pat could never really speak aloud what his true feelings are of Graham Mertz as a quarterback before we would have to take our pod to some R-rated content. <laughs> yeah, Pat really doesn't like Graham Mertz. <laughs> Pat doesn't think Graham Mertz is a very I'm, good player. I'm, he likes him I'm fine sure personally. he's a fine young man. Yeah, he's from like Wichita, right? Like, of course, he's like the nicest kid in the world. But bad, bad Woo! play, though. It's bad Woo! play. So, okay, so this is the name, image, and likeness era. This is the first season. And a lot of these guys got a lot of deals. And most, most name, image, and likeness, I think the, you know, the, the average, it's like 900 bucks for all the different athletes out there. Some of these, you know, DJ's in a Dr. Pepper commercial. Uh, Spencer Rattler's got like 10 deals in Oklahoma. Do, do you think stuff like this, because it is a few, this is our college quarterbacks. Like these, anything can change. Justin Fields had to transfer. Like, you have no guarantees a guy's going to make it or do well. Do you think this will, like, tap the brakes on some of this at some point? Where, like, if you're a business, like, in the NFL, they only, cities and NFL towns only make a deal with somebody if they're, you know, you know, even if he's not going to be great, like, you know Ryan Tannehill is going to be your starting quarterback. You don't, you don't just sign every dude on the team and hope it works out. Like somebody's sitting there with these guys going, and I got a, I got a Graham Mertz billboard up. Uh, is that, is that, I mean, somebody made a business deal. Now there are boosters. We'll get to those in a sec, but like, do you think this will end up being a little bit more overblown about all these businesses trying to get these guys when there's literally no guarantee that they're any good they make it through this season and they aren't, if you're really trying to get someone to like come to your restaurant or come to your car dealer, they're not sitting there going, man, I don't want to go to your place. You got that guy as in your commercial. <laughs> yeah. It's a really interesting concept and point. I don't know what the answer will be 
I, my belief is no, they'll keep throwing money at players they think are going to be good because that's the way the economy has been working in college sports forever because this has all been under the table before and underground, and there was a whole but lot some of guesswork. Isn't. Some is new. Some I'm of a, it we'll is We'll get new. to the boosters. I'm going to get to the boosters in a second. But, like, somebody, some business signed Bo Nix in Alabama. I, remember, I can't remember what it was. It's an iced tea yeah. company. An iced yeah, tea my, company. Yeah, Milo's iced tea. You don't want to put money into Bo Nix. I mean, like some, there are some legit businesses. I think those guys go away when they realize, what the hell am I doing? I don't know this guy's going to be any good. Oh, it could be. I mean, it These could be. These are the be, most hyped but... people in the country. These were the so, best players in America, I just named. Yeah. Well, okay. Yes. All right. From what you're talking about. If, if legit this is, business. Right. Legit business, not just boosters saying we'll take care of guys. Yeah, there, there might be a little bit of caveat emptor, a little bit of buyer beware here. Because here's the thing, and I, I brought this up last week on the pod, is you are hoping that 18, 19, 20-year-old men will handle suddenly being mini corporations without feeling the pressure of that, without, you know, losing perspective, any of that sort of thing. I mean, you're taking a risk there. I mean, I, I have, again, I've seen it with... Olympic athletes who have turned pro at relatively young ages, and it's been hard for some of them. I mean, it's messed with their minds and their ability to perform. And it wouldn't shock me if this is somewhat similar. So if I'm if I'm sitting there with a business, yeah, I may I may want to get the to endorse a a star senior who's proved he can do something, or a junior really, because if he's a star senior, he's not going to be there. He'll be in the NFL, but. Uh, you are, this is a, a risk industry, basically. You are hoping you're guessing right on who's going to be good, but there's a chance you may not be, and there's a chance then that the people you do guess on may not handle it very well. I think this is an interesting season for this to debut because it's just a weird year in a lot of ways, right? We have all this returning production. We have all these seniors. There really weren't a lot of established returning stars in college football this year. There were really good play, really good prospects entering really good programs and at the glamour positions especially. But these companies, I think, made some mistakes here and they just assumed the Oklahoma quarterback would be good again. And they assumed the Clemson quarterback would be good again. You have all these friends. Like, did Dr. Pepper fail giving DJ a spot in that commercial and paying him whatever they did? When people talked about Dr. Pepper and talked about the commercial, the commercial was an ad for itself. So because DJ has played poorly, does that mean Dr. Pepper made a bad investment? I don't think so. I mean, how many times have we talked about DJ Uyunglele and Dr. Pepper on this podcast? Which, you know, we would have not talked about Dr. Pepper ever before other than they had those awful commercials for years. So it, the, I think like there is a little bit of people overinvested in the novelty and got a bump off the novelty and – I think memorabilia companies are, are are probably giving away the most money in this, and they're all doing the long play. They're all hoping Spencer Rattler's Tom Brady, and they've got a stash of this stash of their stuff in the long term. And I still don't understand cryptocurrency well enough, even though I own some of it, to really understand why, like Kayvon Thibodeau, if that's going to be good or not. Like he could be a billionaire, or it could end up being like uh, I don't know, like those those old like gold coins, the chocolates that my grandfather used to give me. Like, I have no idea, like, how that stuff's going to go in the long term. But I do think that going forward, these companies are going to see what worked and what didn't and maybe be a little bit more judicious. And so 
I just I think not. It, you know, marketing in college football is similar to marketing in the NFL. If you are a non-quarterback, the market is significantly less. And this, quite frankly, just isn't a great quarterback year. I mean, I said this on the pod on the pod last week that Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, the kind of preseason top five guys, I, I think they're really they're really slipping right now. And, uh, you know, is it Matt Corral? Is it Malik Willis? Is it Desmond Ritter who sort of rises into that void? I don't I don't know. But this could be the first year in a long time that we don't have a top five quarterback in the NFL draft. And that is my own pure assessment that no scout has told me that or anything. But there's there's just no not anybody to get excited about. There are some years in college where we have stars. I mean, Pat, you and I had done this for a long time. Like there's years where I remember going to profile Andrew Luck in the offseason, Tim Tebow in the offseason. I remember Notre Dame had like a Brady Quinn media day that Pat and I went to. You remember that, Pat? There was like the yep. spring. It was like May of before Brady Quinn senior. There was so much interest in Brady Quinn that they invited all the national media in for a day just to talk to Charlie Weiss and Brady Quinn. So like there there wasn't that guy this year. And when there is that kind of a guy, you know, Trevor Lawrence would have been that guy, obviously. It's going to be different. But I think the notion of, like, brands are going to shy away and athletes, no, I mean, like, it, people are going to adapt and evolve. But I'm not going to overreact to this. And I'm certainly not going to blame Spencer Rattler making money off commercials for his pedestrian performance so far this year. I think that's lunacy, pure lunacy. We have been operating in a free market for a while. It's just been underground. I've just – I am uh, I am really not going to uh, – not going to get all all giddy up over a, a couple of pedestrian performances. Now, look, if Spencer Rattler had been a three-time All-American, he wasn't that great last year. I mean, he got pulled in the Texas game. And we we had sort of cast some skepticism on Spencer Rattler all summer. Our, our faithful listeners would have would have heard that. So I I think the variable in which this stuff exists and has impacted the field this year is is small. I would say it's minuscule. Would you guys agree with that? I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I saw DJ Uyunglele look great last year, and he looks really bad this year. What's happened now? I, I don't know. They, they don't have Travis Etienne. He, we did have a relatively small sample size with him with the two games last year, but the, those two games he started, he was really good, uh, and he can't get out of his own way this year. So I don't know what's changed between last year and this year. Well, Dr. Pepper's changed. And lack of Travis Etienne, I don't know whether there's anything else involved there or not. But I, I don't think you can look at this and say just out of hand, say, no, this had the the commercialization of college athletes has nothing to do with how they're performing. I mean, it's impossible to know, right? It the is. pressure of the business does can get into people, though. There's no there's absolutely no question. Um, and you can get pulled in too many directions. But. Very, very hard to know. I just, I, you know, again, I, I think people are going to keep taking gambles, but like I'm looking at the Spencer Rat, like he's got a big deal with Fowler Automotive Group in Oklahoma. Um, let's say this is a pure business play. Now, obviously, they got a lot of attention early. There's stories about it, but the next guy, do you sit there and go, I mean, if your home fans are chanting for the backup and they don't like your guy, <laughs> just as a pure business model, that isn't who you want you know, sponsoring your car. I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just a brand new thing. Now let me get to this one on the, on the boosters, because a lot of these are just, um, I'm a booster and I'm just helping. Let's get the recruits. Let's get this. And this is where I think it could play into how games are actually played. If your program is struggling and this, this has always been the case because you needed your boosters to pay under the table for recruits and people aren't willing to pony up if they hate the coach, but now it's even out in the open more. Yeah. Like if you're a Tallahassee Dodge dealership, 
are you going to sit there and go, I got a hundred grand to play with here. Am I going to sponsor a Florida State football player next year? I'm going to use that hundred grand in something else. I got to sell cars. I'm a booster and I'm not just, you know, in the past, if you gave a hundred grand under the table to a bunch of play to a player, it wasn't broadcast out that your friends aren't going, you paid a hundred grand for that dude. You a sucker. And and you may have millions, but you're like, it's humiliating. Exactly. Why'd you just give that kid the money? He doesn't even look like he's trying. And so yeah. if your program isn't hot, like Sam Pittman right now can walk around Arkansas. They're going to throw money at him, right? <laughs> Everyone's happy. We need recruiting money. The money's coming in. Mike Norvell, how the hell are you getting anyone paid next year? Great question. I think question. this stuff will dry up in a hurry. And it's like after two years, you're gone. We can't recruit next year. Right. No, the that's the Tallahassee uh, car dealers are going to start paying the FAMU band guys. They might. The, the trombone guys the having a better year than the than the FSU quarterback. Well, <laughs> even if it's legit business, I just send out more flyers or you buy more TV ads. But or you you sponsor the offensive line or something like that. Or, hey, we're going to sponsor the <laughs> not the, at Florida our, State. <laughs> not at Florida State. No, not. Yeah. The we'll sponsor the women's soccer team. They yeah. win the national yeah. title. We'll try something else. But I'm talking about the straight booster that's running like some, you know, I've got a uh, ma- a plastics manufacturing plant, right? And, uh, and, and uh, you know, Spencer Rattler's my my official spokesman for my plastics man. You know, it's just a straight, it's just a way to pay a player. And everyone's like, dude, you paid a hundred grand to that guy. Yeah, that's the thing. Your bad investments are now public. As you're saying before, they were private and maybe a couple people knew, but not the whole whole town. And now, if you've been, if you've given Spencer Rattler two cars, like uh, the automotive place there, <laughs> you you haven't invested very wisely. And uh, so there's there's a as, as you put it, there's a there's a public embarrassment, so to speak. Uh, before I always I always thought it was great trying to figure out like the bas- especially basketball players who got paid a ton and were never any good. You know, I was like, how mad is the booster that paid for that dude? To come to wherever you know, <laughs> they got two hundred fifty grand for that. Yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> right. I don't know. I just I wonder if like the the drop the edge will drop off. This is all spitballing. We got no idea. We're four weeks into nil, but will the drop off? Like, there's no way in heck. If you're a great recruit right now as a senior, I'd put Arkansas on your list. Somebody, some business there is going to give you money. Absolutely, because they're so fired up. Yeah, absolutely. They are no. so fired up. And if you go to FSU, there's going to be not as many boosters all real excited about doing well. Coach Norvell thinks I'm going to be good. Well, great. Coach Norvell <laughs> sucks. We terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll be lucky I'm, if Coach Norvell's even going to be the coach next year. Yeah. Maybe I'll just buy another Mercedes. I'm not going to spend my money on it. I don't know. And, and that always happened. Right. right. I mean, that always, if coaches, always, we got to get everyone pulling in the same direction. It was always like code <laughs> for like, yeah. get all our boosters paying for the right players. That's right. Like, really? What's that guy got to do? A guy in the 40 yard line. He matters. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> that was row the now boat it's before, out in the open. Uh, before PJ Black, know. right? <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating dynamic. It's the quintessential podcast talk radio topic, right? Because a million yeah. people are going to look at it in a million different directions. And, and Pat said it before. He's right. Like, there is no like definitive right answer. You know, like we don't know the the psyche of these guys getting up in the morning. Are you less excited to watch extra film? Are you do you get a little, uh, you know, a, a little bit? I, I don't think so. I do not think it has significant impact because I think most of the people that people are criticizing for taking these deals weren't established in the first place. And that's where that's where I think 
as we move on and there are the, you know, really, really big time stars that we're kind of lacking going into this last season. And again, there's good players, but there just aren't those like stand on the table, established brand name, transcendent stars in the sport. And I think that's what a byproduct of this uh, of this trend is. Somebody's money was real, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no. I I mean, somebody's money. Oh, I think it's gonna be interesting. I don't know. I don't know that we know the right question to ask on how this will all affect things. But right. the underground economy is, is, is above ground now. Uh, believe me, uh, top recruits and star players returning to campus have been getting paid for 100 years. <laughs> so nothing drives me crazier than people. This is the, the, money is now an object in football. Okay. <laughs> oh, what a quaint life you lived. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, it may just be easier for guys to get it because you used to have to like go in the shadows and operate in the yeah, muck yeah. and deal with it, like it, it, the fact that it's above board may just be more efficient. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I got an agent yeah. who handles it. Yes. I mean, yes. Steinberg Sports. Uh, I mean, they got Patrick Mahomes as a client. They got they got Spencer Rattler. They're making Spencer Rattler deals. So it's like you handle it. I'm good. Right. All right, let's get back to a little football. A couple of very interesting games, though. NC State, huge win for the Pack. Lone Wolf, uh, uh, Sully on that one, I think. Yeah, job, baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought one of two. I thought that I did not think Clemson's offense could be that bad, but they were. Whew. Thirteen penalties as well. Huge win for the Wolf Pack, but also Clemson. They're cooked for this playoff, and team doesn't look good at all. I wouldn't be surprised. They end up with four losses this year. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a great team. Well, it, it again, it starts up front. Their offensive line is bad. We've covered that ground. DJ Uyungle, not surprisingly, is not Deshaun Watson, nor is he Trevor Lawrence, which is not saying he is bad by any means. He is just going to take time to grow and develop. It's it's pretty simple. I thought Watson's college career was extremely underrated. When you really look at the relentless winning he did and I mean, Nick Saban had to onside kick in a national title game because he could, essentially conceded he could not stop him, well, which is, the, you know, perhaps he forced the most amazing strategic coaching move in a big game that we've ever seen in college. And obviously, Lawrence, from the time he won that job from Kelly Bryant earlier in his career, was just one of the mind-numbingly consistent best modern college quarterbacks that we've seen. And DJ, without... I don't think Trevor Lawrence ever played a game without Travis Etienne, right? Like, I don't think he... I don't. I, I mean, maybe somebody had an ankle sprain or something like that, but I don't think he ever did. And I and I think not having him in the uh, in the pass game, in not as like a safety valve, and not having him in the run game is really undercut Clemson. But I, I want to say Matt Connolly, uh, who covers Clemson for on three, had this stat today. It was Clemson had I think six defensive offsides penalties, and five of them were on third and four, second and four, something like that. Like it was a it was a a lot of punitive offsides penalties that 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 helped NC State extend drives, and that's a little bit of a sign of lack of discipline. It's a little bit of a sign of you know not everything is quite right in that program, and I think from the big picture. Pat, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Clemson has not been a place that shopped the portal very hard, correct? No. You know, I think they brought in one a couple this year, right? Yes. But, but before that, no. I mean, that's been one of those places. People that commit there stay there. People that go there yes. don't transfer, and they don't bring people in. Yeah, I mean, like stable as could be. Yes. It's a lifestyle there, and, and I think they've taken some pride in that. That's got to change, I think. Right. Like when you're looking at holistically what's wrong with that program, holes need to be filled 
that transcend recruiting. You know, there are recruiting mistakes that have that have cycled up and they're not good enough. And it starts on the O-line, but it that goes to uh, that goes to other places as well. Their running back room with with Will Shipley hurt is perilously thin right now. Like at one point, Dabo after the game was like, we'll play with who we got. You know, I mean, it's uh, with, with uh, they had a kid jump in the portal last week. And with Shipley's injury, they don't have a lot of dudes. I mean, it's, you know. It is not going to be shocking to see Clemson sitting there at eight and four, seven and five at the end of this year. They, I think, they are going to lose more games. Brian Percy got hurt. James Skalski, the sixth, maybe even God's seventh year, he's been there. You know, he's been there since, uh, you know, since he was guarding Reggie Ball running the option. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he 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 got injured in that game. I don't think we've gotten updates on those two guys yet. But Clemson still has a strength in its defensive line if everybody's healthy. And everybody hasn't been. They, they've had other key injuries there. But past that, like, I, it's almost to the point of it's not like what's wrong. It's like, what do they do well? Yeah, the thing that shocks me there, I, I mean, their receivers were, were good. I mean, Justin Ross was phenomenal as a freshman. He was hurt last year. Why can they not get him going? Uh, you know, not just not enough big plays. He did a, he did have two receptions for touchdowns against North Carolina State. So they finally kind of got him involved there. But I mean, Joseph Ngata showed some real flashes, but he hadn't done much of anything this year. Frank Ladson's just kind of been a four-year guy or three-year guy that just they, you know, they're just lack of I guess progression and improvement from some of those guys or or regression, really. I just I, I'm very surprised that their passing game is just completely dwindled to nothing giving some of the talent given some of the talent they have i agree you know the the, the transfer portal thing's interesting because there are coaches that don't want to do it and they remind me of college basketball coaches who didn't want to recruit one and duns remember they took that stand like i got to develop a guy i need a guy in my program for, you know and then pretty soon it's like coach k's getting everyone you know it's like hey i gotta have them right these kids are better i don't care and, but and Tino used not to really... say that, and then they just bid like a gas station in a hotel for Brian Bowen. So like, <laughs> yeah, right. everybody would say it, and then it was like, yeah, uh, Fab Five just beat us, or you know, uh, yeah. yeah, Anthony Davis isn't a bad kid because he's ready to go pro. No, it's like I need Anthony Davis. It's like <laughs> I can develop him, develop whatever I got. He ain't going to be better than Anthony Davis. All right, Pat, you were at Notre Dame, Wisconsin, which was uh Game was so ugly early. Let's just say it had a nice personality. I don't want to be mean. <laughs> uh, terrible game early. Notre Dame survives and wins. Uh, big scored 31 in the fourth quarter. Uh, we've talked about the Graham Mertz experience. How drunk was it? And your thoughts? Uh, it was very drunk. Very, very drunk. You could tell like Saturday morning, I walked about two miles from my hotel to the stadium and like the faces in the Starbucks, you know, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff and I'm leaving at like 9 a.m. And the faces in the Starbucks were people like, oh my gosh, I've got to get it together. I need this caffeine so that I can go drink for the next 12 hours because we drank like for eight hours last night. So it was uh, aggressively drunk. And it needed to be for the Wisconsin fans, especially. Holy moly, they were terrible. But bars uh, in Chicago, for people who don't know, close at four or five a.m. Five a.m. still? I don't know. I, I, I think certainly there's still didn't some five a.m.s. I know <laughs> the cocktail part. I know there's a lot of places. It's why New Orleans is always the biggest wreck because they don't kick you out. Yeah, right. Like Jacksonville is. You don't sit there and go, "Oh, you want a good drinking town? Let's go to Jacksonville." Now they make it a good drinking town, but Chicago will keep pouring it down your throat all night. So the fans uh, wanted to to indulge, and they were indulged by by the city of Chicago. So it was very good atmosphere, and I mean, it was really fun. About a fifty fifty ticket split, 
And yeah, the game was stultifying for a long time. Notre Dame made enough plays to win. Their offensive line has an NIL deal with Mission Barbecue. I wonder if Mission Barbecue would like that deal back because they cannot block. <laughs> but, you know, that that's another team where you just look at the line. You're like, man, I, there's just not going to be a whole lot of explosive offense coming from behind those guys. Although they're, they're young and they will probably get better. The thing my takeaway from the, that game, guys, was just that like Notre Dame has a lot of a lot of flaws, a lot of warts, but they're four and oh because they find ways. And, you know, it's, it's a defensive score. It's a special team score, pulling out games. And that, I, I think, is a good reflection of Brian Kelly and his staff is that, you know, Brian Kelly would love to be able to throw it 42 times a game and score 40 points. That ain't this group. They did score 40, but that was with three non-offensive touchdowns. So, so he's going to cobble it together a different way. And he's now the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Not Newt Rockney, not Air Parsegian, not Lou Holtz. It's Brian Kelly because he's stayed there and been willing to build this thing into a very consistent winner. Uh, and now they're going to have some opportunities coming up to improve their resume. I mean, Cincinnati coming into South Bend on Saturday. I think Cincinnati should be favored. I don't know whether they will be. But uh, if Notre Dame can find a way to pull that one out, they're going to be five and zero, and we're going to have to take them seriously. Should Drew Pine start? I would be very tempted to start him. Although you, I, boy, I mean, first college start against a Cincinnati defense that's very good and very well coached. They could eat him alive. Uh, that would be my only concern there. Cone, we'll see if he's healthy though. If Cone's got ankle is bad uh, and he has no mobility against a good pass rush, you might be better off with even an inexperienced Drew Pine. Uh, back there. Cincinnati opens as a one and a half point favorite in Notre Dame Stadium, by the oh, way. A nice, okay. uh, that'll be a nice, like, anecdotal indicator of how crazy this season is when we look back on it two decades from now. I do want to quickly reference the uh, the Chicago drinking conversation. This is a character flaw that I know both of you can relate to because I've been side by side with you for it and uh, many of our listeners too. When I moved from New York to Boston in my, in my late 20s, people were like, oh, why'd you move back to Boston? I basically said, you know, I need the government to tell me when to go home at a reasonable hour. I can't entrust <laughs> it myself to make that decision. That's what I'm I've stoked. learned by, by like, you know, age 28 is like, I need somebody to just shut the door and throw me out. That's just going to lead to a much more productive, uh, productive life. Productive was, the only thing productive about the uh, Notre Dame-Wisconsin game on uh, Saturday was like dramatic readings of Pat's tweets to his son as we were in the BC press box as his frustration increased. There was the quintessential Pat Forty of, Great four-yard route on third and six. <laughs> you could like you could you could hear the game offending Pat as it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it was a two-yard route when they needed three. Who runs Sorry. a two-yard route? <laughs> Who runs a two-yard route? That's what we heard <laughs> in our minds. Oh. <laughs> a two-yard route, doing? Wisconsin. Yeah. Can you imagine gr- growing up as Mitchell Forty? The amount of like hours he heard his dad yell stuff like that at televisions. <laughs> <laughs> occasional full Saturdays, entire full Sundays, Sunday nights, yeah. Mondays, just completely <laughs> second guessing <laughs> poor <True>. football. <laughs> just true. Viscerally true. offended by poor. Yeah. <laughs> Pat's business Guilty. card can say viscerally offended by bad football for the past, <laughs> uh, you know, 30 years. You've been a sports writer, whatever it is. Yeah. I, uh, I will give Brian Kelly some hosannas. He certainly has never won a national championship, but surviving th- that game was a nice little microcosm of his Notre Dame tenure. It was ugly. It got a little sideways at times. And you know what? At the end, he crisply walked to the midfield and shook hands like nothing, like completely unbothered, like nothing ever happened. 
you know? Like he, like he put the signature on a Picasso when it was a finger painting. And uh, yeah, that was, that was very much a program win. That was very much a game where Notre Dame figured out ways to adjust. And I do think they have some more dynamic explosive skills, especially at tailback. When's the last time I remember Wisconsin not having like a, a bell cow back there? Like if you can't recruit tailbacks to Wisconsin, go to pharmaceutical sales or something. Because boy, that's, you know, that, that should be the easiest sell of all time. It's like, we will not pass. You will get the ball. You know, like I just, uh, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit mind boggling why they, they are not, uh, they are not better, uh, b- better off there. Uh, yeah, this Paul was Chris deserved to lose because he didn't wear his signature sweatshirt. That's See that true. outfit? He didn't have the sweatshirt on. Yeah. I know it was a nice day out there in Chicago, but this is your thing. You go with it. You stick with it. <laughs> he needed the um, sweatshirt. He also he needs a passing game. What I always say about Brian, there was <laughs> yeah, there's that. There were decades of listening to people say Notre Dame will never be good again. Never. Notre, never, ever, ever. And it was so annoying. The it's, like, it's, it's not yeah. cool. It's like people saying Texas will never, ever be good again. Yeah, when they get the right coach, you're good. When you don't, you know, Alabama was bad for a while. Like, everyone's bad when you got a bad coach. And then you you got to cycle through a few, and then you find your guy. He's done a, a, a great job of making. Uh, all right, two more Midwestern program wins. Michigan and Michigan State. Neither one was... Uh, what you would call overly impressive. Uh, Michigan looked really good the first half against Rutgers, but Rutgers is really that, that, that I watched a lot of that game. That program has come a long way, man. They are very, very competent. They just couldn't quite get there at the end. And, and Michigan state uh, outlasts Nebraska, who looks a lot better than they did at the beginning of the year uh, for a big win there. But that's a couple more that are a little bit like those are program wins. And those are two programs that have had a lot of program wins in the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, that's the thing. It, it, the, like for Michigan State to have won that game against Nebraska, I watched the entire second half. And I mean, they were just on the verge of really of being blown out of there in the second. I mean, they could do nothing offensively. They couldn't stop Nebraska. Uh, they're down. And then they run that great punt return play where you got the two guys back and one guy's acting like he's catching the ball, but really the other guy on the other side of the field's catching it, and Nebraska fell for it like a junior high team. Uh, and the guy runs it back for a touchdown, and then you're in overtime, and you, I mean, you make a play, you get a, uh, I think it was a pick, and I mean, just you know, that that showed me something there. That showed me some resolve, uh, some grit. You know, th- when they beat Northwestern to open the season, they just pounded them early. When they beat Miami, Miami kind of fell apart late. This was a game they looked for a long time like they were going to lose, and they somehow didn't. So big credit to Mel Tucker there. And, yeah, like Michigan, I, I, I will admit, I didn't see any of the Michigan game. But Rutgers is a legitimate opponent, and they handled them. And, I mean, Michigan is is doing what they need to do. They found their identity with this team. You know, they they are playing a certain way. Uh, and it's absolutely working for them. And I think hardball teams tend to be better when they've got that sort of identity. Like, this is who we are, and we're not guessing, and we're not going to have to change everything up week to week just hoping that we figure things out. This team, they know who they are and who they want to be. Two thoughts. One, all credit to Michigan State. Uh, that place looked alive. Like, college football is better when Michigan State has a pulse. The Big Ten is better when Michigan State has a pulse. Nebraska, like, Scott Frost showed again why he is going to earn the $20 million to get fired this year. They could very easily be 4-1 uh, and one right now. It really comes down to just – if you had to 
sum up their season, it would be this, the two completely dunderheaded special teams plays. One was just that abdication of coverage on that punt. And then two was the, the you can blame the kid for catching the ball on the goal line, running backwards and doing that. But that, that kid was poorly coached. Like you are taught, I do not catch the ball past the five yard line. I had special teams coaches tell me, we have a dot rule. You don't pass the dot. Like, like those two plays sum up the lack of discipline and they don't have a special teams coach. And this is like, this is not the first time that they've been completely upended by bad special teams. And, you know, we talk about second year coaches, right? Like second year coaches that we've seen like have a bump, have a pulse or, or, or whatever. Like, you know, Nebraska isn't terrible right now. Right. But at, at this point, can you really sit around if Scott Frost goes 500 and finally goes to a bowl and, and, and keep him? I, I mean, no. I don't think, I don't think so. Like, well, look I, at what I, Mel Tucker's doing. Like, Mel Tucker's correct. doing less time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Correct. Yes. It, he used the portal. He got a new quarterback. Like, he did all the, like, he saw issues and then changed. And this is year four for Scott Frost. And you're like, cross your fingers, hoping, praying for, for six and six. And they still have that gauntlet at the end of the season that we've uh, we, we've talked about. So all credit to Michigan State. Great to see that place alive again. I caught some of the end. I actually listened to uh, Chris Carlin, the perfectly Jersey-booming voice on XM Radio, uh, driving back from, from BC to my house, the longtime Rutgers play-by-play guy in that game. And I watched a little bit of the uh, end as that window was closing at 3.30 and, uh, and, and flipping around. And I'll say this about Rutgers. They are like the they have all the perfectly overcoached Greg Schiano qualities you'd expect. They lead the nation in net punting, fourth and fewest penalty yards per game, fourth and fewest penalties per game, and they are third and third down conversion percentage defense. Now, again, we're only a quarter of the way through. There are a couple bad teams that they've played. Like nobody's throwing you a party if you beat Delaware and Temple. But at the, at the end of the day, like th- there's been a baseline competency established there. I'd be worried if I were Michigan about going on the road next week, even though they are playing the fighting Graham Mertzes and we just did spend 20 minutes making fun of Paul Christ's sweatshirt and lack of a passing game and lack of a... Uh, I really want to see if this Michigan team has the medal to go on the road because we have just seen some teams melt on the road this year in front of big crowds. And say you want about Wisconsin, their fans, good, bad, indifferent, good tailback, bad tailback, passing game, no passing game, average quarterback, whatever. They're going to show up and they're going to be loud and they're going to drink a lot for the Michigan game. I think that's an established deal. Wear the sweatshirt, and, coach. Wear the sweatshirt. Yes, or yes. It's like when Chip brought his visor back. All the mojo yeah. came back to Westwood. All right, one more result. Eli Drinkwitz of uh, Missouri in the build-up to the big Boston College rivalry game noted that he's never recruited up there and uh, sort of mockingly uh, made fun of the talent of the quote-unquote great state of Massachusetts. <laughs> it's a commonwealth, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> No, we love you here on the pod, but it's a commonwealth. You're supposed to be the cerebral one. You can't get the joke wrong. Commonwealth, Kentucky, Massachusetts. It's different. BC laid it on them, uh, stood up for all those Massachusetts kids. Uh, Pete, you were there. Great scene, huh? It was fun. It was fun. And, you know, I'm sure some people got snarky when BC won in overtime and they stormed the field. But it was now I've probably been to uh. six or seven, six or seven games this year. And, and that was the first big home game at BC. They played Colgate, God bless them, early in the year. But it, it was like almost like a field storming to celebrate themselves, right? They won dramatically in overtime. Brandon Sebastian had a great pick of Connor Bazelak in the end zone. But it was sort of like, 
we're back and this is fun again. We're back on campus. We're back in school. We're back tailgating. They don't lose a lot of tailgates at BC, as you know, Dan. There are, uh, there are three techniques, and their slot receivers may look like you and I in Massachusetts high school football, but they're, they're, there's going to be some Guinness poured out there in the, uh, in, the, in the parking lot. God bless them. So I really, uh, I really just like will remember that day fondly. It was like a great early fall, 72-degree po- postcard day. And I'll, I'll give away my small sample Heisman since you did early. And uh, Dave Matter, the uh, longtime beat guy for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, uh, told me I need to make the wonderful Harrison Mevis my small sample Heisman winner. Now, we can all get excited for Justin Tucker's 66-yard bomb to win the game that doinked the upright today. It's probably the greatest kick in NFL history. I don't believe I have ever seen a kick in 19 years as a National College football writer as big as 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 I guess I should say as important as the one Harrison, it was the most impressive kick I've ever seen live. I mean, I wasn't at the snow game, whatever. This kid had a 56-yard field goal. Have you ever seen Pat live in, in person in college? Somebody hit a field goal a bit longer than 56 yards? Oh boy. Uh, I'd have to think about it. I'm sure I might. Yeah. Have. But yeah, like I- not with literally no time on the clock and not with the game on the line to force overtime. Like I just was like, that was an unbelievable. That was an unbelievable kick. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's good. He's on my fantasy team too. Fucking big kick. Love it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. The fighting asparagus, baby. One That's three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fighting asparagus. Yep. Sully never change. Never change. Uh, <laughs> Very, very good win for BC. At the, you know, we thought they would be pretty good, but that, that's a nice win. That's a nice win for the ACC, too. You know, you get those mid-level kind of knockoff games. All right, well, look, Pete and I already did our small sample Heismans. My guy is no longer in football, but um, <laughs> whatever. I still love you. I hope someone plays this for him. There's somebody on his side. Oh, by the way, is there anyone more miserable than the ones that get mad at who you're not allowed to storm the field against this team? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, there's so many, like, miserable sports fans out there. Like, oh, no, college kids having fun. You can only <laughs> have college kids. That's like the Alabama fan that 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 tweets in when you say anything nice about anybody. Right. I, yeah. It's the same miserable guy. Yeah, I really like Fresno's defense. Not as good as ours. Okay. You know what? The PC kids had fun. Oh, well. Uh, my small sample Heisman, I am going to give to Jerry Bohannon the quarterback of the Baylor Bears. Baylor is 4-0. and Not sure anybody expected that. They really hadn't played anybody until this last week. They got Iowa State in town. Iowa State, which began the season ranked in the top 10. Iowa State, which was supposed to have the good quarterback in Brock Purdy. Well, Jerry Bohannon, who put in his dues, has gotten to be the starter this year and is performing very well for the Bears. Uh, he had 14. He was 14 of 19 for 153 yards, two touchdowns. No interceptions. He has thrown no interceptions this season. Uh, and this is after last year he threw one pass. In 2019, he saw some spot duty here and there. And he was four for 15 against Oklahoma. Uh, he threw one pass in 2018. So finally, year four at Baylor, he's getting his chance. He's making it happen. And they are 4-0 and with Jerry Bohanna as starting quarterback. You're my small sample Heisman. All right, there you go. Those are small sample Heisman. You know, if I was going to give one to a player, I'll do one to an actual player. Hasn't quit. Uh, I'll go to Wandale Robinson at Kentucky. Mm. Well, just a little nod to Kentucky. Seven receptions for Wandale. It was at Nebraska. 65 yards. Uh, kind of led the passing attack. Or Chris Rodriguez Jr. Give it to him. Maybe they can share it. 
They're running back 26 for 144. Tucky's 4 and 0 and uh no one's really surprised but no one's like over overly excited either. Cats have kind of got to that spot where they're just sort of solid now. Talking about solid programs and it's a solid program that's just banging out wins. We'll see where they uh what they can get done uh heading into Florida week uh this week. All right, that's uh that's my real small sample, I guess. All right, we said a lot of mean things, probably inappropriately, picked on a lot of people we shouldn't, but um can we say anything nice? That's really the challenge of this portion of the week. And so I'm going to start with you, Pat. Can you say something nice? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to say something nice about Vanderbilt. Good job not doing what Kayvon Pope did and just quitting in the middle of the game because I would have been tempted if I were the Commodores and it was 35 nothing in the first quarter against Georgia and you ended up with 77 total yards, but they did stick it out and finish the game. Commodores actually stayed on the field for four quarters, only lost 62 to nothing because when it was 35 nothing in the first quarter, this was looking like they were going to put a 100 spot on them. So way to rally, way to only lose by 62, way to be shut out at home. <laughs> Did I say something nice? I don't know. That's, that's good, good, good effort. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't know if I could top the, the kindness of Mother Teresa 40 there, but I will uh, – <laughs> I will attempt to say something nice about UTSA. Perhaps the most impressive under-the-radar weekend went to Drift Trailers, Roadrunners. They went to Memphis, fell behind 21-0, stormed back 131-28, snapped a 17-game Liberty Bowl winning streak for Memphis. You just don't walk into the Liberty Bowl and win anymore. Uh, Mississippi State found that out the other day. Hunter Duplessis. 42-yard field goal as time expired. He had, a, he had like three game winners last year for them. UTSA is is all about grunting out uh, grunting out different uh, different wins. Sincere McCormick, one of the best named tailbacks in the country, rushed the ball 42 times for a buck 84. Um, I don't think they had the most diverse game plan out old UTSA, but they figured out a way to win, and they've never been ranked. So here's my plea to the cowards in the AP Bowl. Ranked the Roadrunners. They won at Illinois fairly handily. They won at Memphis, which is much more impressive. And uh, they will be a menace in old CUSA. All right, I'm going to say something nice about Texas quarterback Casey Thompson, because what else could you say? Five touchdowns throwing, one rushing. The Longhorns hang 70 on Texas Tech. Thompson was not the starter at the beginning of the season. He is now. I think Sark got, Sark's finished that one around. And, uh, I mean, 70 points is an absolute blowout and a special nod to Texas Tech, which managed to do the impossible and have a worse defense than when Cliff Kingsbury was actually the coach. <laughs> I did not think that was possible. <laughs> when you have Patrick Mahomes for three years and two of them are losing campaigns and the other got you to some bowl game in Houston <laughs> because your defense sucks. And then you get worse. <laughs> Nothing I can do but tip my hat to that. That was saying something nice. There you go. Good job, Casey, and whatever's going on in Lubbock. No D in the LBB. All right, that's our pod. Continue to uh, give us nice reviews, subscribe, tell your friends about us and all of that. We'll be back midweek to hype up next week. Nice little slate of games next week. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's uh, chaos across the land. Talk to you later.